Super excited for today. Um, this week and Rooted Week 3 is about prayer. Um, they titled it, um, let me see how they titled it. How does God speak to us? So it's, it's really talking about prayer. And one of the main things with that is communication. So we've had some communication issues this week, and they've been quite awesome. So I get a phone call Wednesday, which is our rooted. We, we were what I thought at the moment was finishing up, which I thought that many a times during our first 10 weeks of rooted, and two hours later, we were finally done. And it was from Jason. Jason calls me. He's like, hey, man. I'm like, hey, I'm in rooted. Um, let me call you back in 15 minutes. He's like, okay. So I get a text. I believe it was Thursday night. Still waiting on your call. <laughs> Clear. Okay. Well, what happened was, yeah, 22 hours. So what I thought was is I really had planned on calling him back, but then we got on a deeper discussion like we always do. And so I totally, like, blew him off, didn't even think about him. So I didn't go to work the next day because my wife had surgery, so I really didn't even think about him. And then I get a weird phone call from Jonathan Woodring. And he's like, hey, man, uh, I know you already heard, but we're going to be baptized in Dusty Sunday. Something to that effect. I'm like, I ain't heard nothing. He's like, have you not talked to Jason? I'm like, dang it, that's it. So... Like, Jason was excited to share the news with me and tell me what was going on. And then Woody, Jonathan, who already thought I knew, breaks the news to me. I had no idea. So I'm going to let them come up here after I get done. And they're going to kind of fill you in on what happened Wednesday and then just in baptism in general. I don't know if they're going to share the story what happened yesterday but I do know for sure um, what happened Wednesday. So um, I am glad they didn't go to a creek. I won't steal too much thunder there, but uh, the rain was coming. They would have been swept away, and we wouldn't be seeing them today. So anyway, they decided to wait till this morning to get in a nice, warm baptistry. But um, anyway, we are going to be talking about the importance of communication. So yesterday morning... Jonathan texts me, hey, man, what scriptures are you in? That's probably important. So when they feed off of what I'm talking about and come up here, we'd be in the same, same area, right? Well, I got that text this morning because I didn't see it. So my communication skills these last couple of days have been fantastic. So anyway, and my wife would tell you that my communication skills have been fantastic for the last 23 years. So... Anyway, but I want to talk about communication because that's really what prayer is. It's really about communicating with our Lord and Savior. So I want to talk about the phones. So back in when I was a kid, which really wasn't terribly long ago, um, I remember when the phone would ring, you'd have no idea who was calling you. So you would pick it up. Hello? Hello? And you'd be so surprised, whoever it was. And sometimes you wouldn't be so surprised. And sometimes you'd be like, that's a bill collector. Click. All right. You'd have no idea who was calling you. And then they invented this thing called caller ID. And then they got real slick. And you could hit, was it star six, seven or star six, nine to block your number? 
star six seven, right? So you could hit star six seven, you could call and it would block your number. And if people didn't know your number, they wouldn't answer. But when people saw who was calling, it was one of those, oh, I want to talk to them, and they would answer the phone, or yeah, we wait for another day. And then they invented these things called a pager. Whoever had a pager? All right? So only your buddies got your pager number. But they would call you from like pay phones, and you'd have no idea what the number was they'd be sending. So you had a code, right? Who had a code on the end of their phone number? Okay. So mine was my football number. So I would put pound 64. That way they knew who it was. Um, and so you typically would at least get a call back pretty quickly. But nowadays, we got these beautiful things called cell phones that we have instant connection. All right? I guarantee if I say grab your phone, everyone can get it pretty quick and pretty fast. All right? Back when I was a kid, if you were in church, I'd say grab your phone. You'd have to go home and grab it while it was attached to the wall. So we have instant communication. It's instant. It's right now. But here's the problem. We still choose who we want to talk to and who we don't want to talk to. There's actual text etiquette, right? You're supposed to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down or something to let people know that you've received their text. So on my kids' phones and my wife's phone, you can put a read receipt on there. So they can't tell me they didn't see it because I can look and see they saw it because it said they read it. So they can't say, I never saw it. So mine's off, by the way. So if you text me, you'll never see that I read it. All right? So I'm just throwing myself running to us. But I say all that because we pick and choose who we want to talk to and when we want to talk to them. When you just had beef with somebody and they text you or they call you, typically it's an ignore. All right? Put them right to voicemail. Go to the voicemail. Delete it. Don't even hear what they say. Or you totally just swipe over, delete their text, and don't even read what it says. So we can totally dismiss everyone that wants to get a hold of us if we do not want to communicate with them. When it comes to God... We don't have that option. We don't have the delete option because God can get a hold of us however he deems necessary. So if you delete your text, he'll find another way to get a hold of you. He'll put someone in your life to talk to you. There's things that he will do to get your attention. And so as we dig into this week on Rooted, and go through the five days, there were some things that talked to me specifically um, in, this, in this week. One of them was the natural and supernatural ways God can speak to you. One of them is opening his word and reading it. I found my sword, by the way, if you guys can't tell. This is not the same one I had last week. I would tell you where it was, but it's embarrassing because it was in my nightstand. And I couldn't find it, so I don't know what that means. But that's the one way that you can communicate with God is by reading his word. And many of us have never read through the whole Bible, not one time. Then there's some of us that have read through the Bible multiple times in our life, 
and we still don't get it. We still do not understand the importance of communicating. So as we dig in and we go through and we go through these weeks, it talked about specifically in day four of this week that you guys will be studying is the supernatural part of how God talks to you. And to be honest, it was way out of my comfort zone because some of the churches that I heard some of the pastors talk about and the church I used to sit in, in my opinion, put God in a box, said that he can't do these things anymore. And that's dangerous because God can do anything he wants to do, specifically at any moment he wants to do it. So we put him in a box. So day four talks about ways God speaks to us. So jumping into the Bible, and John, the Pharisees are talking, and who knows anything about the Pharisees? They were better than all of us, just so you guys know that. In case you didn't know, I'm just kidding. But that's how they thought. Like, they thought that they were better than us in everything. They did everything that we need to do, but they missed the main point, all right? They attended church regularly, all right? They gave according to scriptures, and sometimes, and most of the time, they gave above what scripture demanded. They studied their Bible. They knew the Old Testament extremely well, all right? They memorized it, but the problem was... They were super legalistic in everything they did. And so they didn't listen to Jesus. They didn't listen to what he had to say. In John 10, 27, it said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So many people might hear God's voice, but they don't follow him. They walk away from him and don't listen to him because it's not what they want to do. I am so guilty of that. I'm so guilty of not following God the way he wants me to follow him. And I guarantee all of us can fall into that boat. But the communication and the prayer life that I have gained after doing this week has changed in a way I can't even explain. Like, there's so many people that pray for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Who is that? Okay, we got one, two, three. Okay, pray over your food, right? It's just, uh, there's really not much substance in that, right? Like, dear God, thank you for this food. Thank you for all that you do. In your name's son's name, amen, all right? Like, that's important, but let's talk to him. Let's communicate with him. There are a lot of people that aren't eating today, and we're eating anything we want, Right? So we go to our refrigerator, and it's full of stuff or full of junk, all right? Our pantry has everything in it like candy and things that you don't need, but we do not give proper thanks in my opinion. I'm guilty. Everything I'm saying, I'm guilty of this, all right? I, I really refocused on this when we went through this. God wants to speak to each and every one of us. And he does. The problem is we don't listen. And there's that communication that I was just talking about. We do not listen to what he wants us to do. And then there's sometimes that this, it talks about this too, that we ask for things for us. And it's not in God's will. There's a lot of things that God doesn't want to give us at that time or at that moment. And then we get angry 
because we feel God isn't listening to us. Who has ever heard that song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers? Right? Great song. It's so true. There's so many things that I asked for in my life that God did not allow to happen. And then years later, I see why he didn't let it happen. And again, I thank God for unanswered prayers because he knows what's best for us. And therefore, if we're in unity with him and we're constantly seeking communication with him, we should let his will direct our life. Instead, we try to direct our own life, and we can all talk about how crazy that can go and how quickly that can go wrong. So this week, day one, you're going to talk about the sword of the Spirit. Day two, God speaks. Day three, our divine helper. Day four, the purpose of prayer. And day five is connecting with God in a meaningful way. I remember the very first time I had been attending church probably for eight years, and I was in ministry, in the kids' ministry, and I absolutely loved it. And I remember at the end of service, at the end of every service, the pastor's name is Mark Lau, as he was walking down the aisle to the door to greet people, he'd say, hey, brother such and such, can you lead us out in prayer? And I was always so thankful he never called on my name until this one day. He walks out and he says, brother Jason, can you lead us in prayer? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I lost 10 pounds of water in that 30-second prayer that I prayed because I sweated so bad. And then afterwards, there's a guy named Bobby Dash, um, great, great Christian man. And he came up and he spoke to me. And he, Brother Jason, I wish I could say it like him, but he would tell me, or he told me that day, I'll never forget it. He said, all you are doing is allowing people into your communication with God. That's all you're doing. You're allowing them to hear you and God having a conversation. And that changed my whole perspective of praying in public. Because that's all you're doing is allowing people into your conversation to hear you and God talking. And that's all it is. When we started this, I told you guys one of the greatest things I loved about it is it talks about the relationship. It talks about our relationship with Jesus. And a relationship starts with a conversation. If you guys remember when you courted your spouse or you started dating your husband or whatever you guys call it, what grew that was communication. That's what grows our faith is our communication with God. And that's one of the things that I feel that we lack a lot in is the communication. We don't think about that God really honestly still speaks to us today. This is so valuable. There's so much in here that if we would just pick it up and read it, God can speak to you daily. He can speak to you in ways you never, never thought he could. But we put God in a box, and we don't think about what he can do. So the first step in a relationship with Jesus 
is asking him into your heart and asking him to save you. And so um, once that happens, there's an obedience that comes right after that. And that obedience is being baptized. Baptism has no part in salvation, just so you guys know. All right? So don't get that confused. The Bible says you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All right? That's what sends you to heaven. And then our first obedience is baptism. And that is what Jonathan and Jason, I hope, are talking about. Right? Am I right? Okay, good. Good. All right? So I'm going to let them come up, and they're going to talk about what has transpired to get to this point today. But let me say this. I am super excited that we have this opportunity to have two people from the refuge in Plainfield. You guys call it Refuge Baptist Church? Okay, the refuge. I'm good. Okay. All right. So anyway, what I love about it is we support them every month. We send a check to their mission work. And in return, they speak for us. Jonathan plays the guitar for us. And one time sang for us, and he was super uncomfortable. You guys remember that whole day? I do. It was awesome. All right. But what's super cool is some of their people come up here on Sundays because they don't meet till Sunday evening or Sunday mid-afternoon, whatever that time, 4 o'clock is. But what's super cool is, like, that whole section right there, minus Tyson, they're all from that church. <laughs> right. It's super cool that they come up and worship with us. All right. And not only that, we're going to get to witness a baptism, two baptisms of their people. And it's just an amazing thing that I missed the whole communication thing this week, but we finally did get to talk. And it's just awesome to see um, what God is doing. Um, it's no secret that because of COVID and Rashad leaving, our numbers have dropped but the Spirit hasn't. And that is the main thing. The Spirit is still here every single Sunday. He's here every single Wednesday. He's here every single Thursday. He's here whenever you guys are here. He's right with us. And I love it. And I can see it. And I can see those of you that are here and see the growth in you guys. And it's just been a fantastic thing to see. So I'm going to let Jason and Jonathan come up here and do their little spiel. I'm just kidding. It's not a spiel. It's a fact. All right. Come on up here, guys. They really don't need a mic, but we're going to put it on there so it makes it to the podcast. Real quick, who here uses an Android phone? Anybody? Can you just go ahead on your Android phone sometime in the next week and type out, your name and the following phrase, liked this message, and then send it to Jason Cervisi, okay? <laughs> the reason for that is, is because if you've ever texted Jason Cervisi anything and you're on an Android phone, you don't get a thumbs up. You get your entire text message back from Jason Cervisi with the phrase, Jason Cervisi liked this. <laughs> so, uh, Or, alternatively, <laughs> go get an iPhone. Um, 
Matthew chapter 28. I like how you just jumped away yeah, from I'm that I'm just jumping off, like, right off to where we're going. Um, this is always different for you guys, I guess, when the two of us get up here together. Um, it's also different for uh, the refuge, because normally we don't stand up on a stage in front of everybody. So, I mean, it's kind of awkward for all of us. Um, Matthew 28 and verse 18. Um, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Can we take a second and pray? Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the faith of Dusty and for the faith of Wren. We thank you, Lord, for the relationship that they have with you and the blessing, Lord, the relationship that they've had with us as a part of the body that you've, you've brought together there in Plainfield. And we ask that you would just bless the decision that they've made today, Lord, as we get into this and as we discuss this, Lord, that you would just bring them hope, Lord, bring them joy, bring them accountability and encouragement each and every day of their lives. That, Lord, this step of obedience that they're demonstrating towards you, that um, you would honor. We thank you again, Lord, for our brothers and our sisters who are gathered here today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to go backwards just a little bit based on what um, Jason Cervizi, this is going to get confusing. <laughs> Jason Cervizi was, I'm going to use last names, uh, was saying, um, my sheep hear my voice. Right after that, Jesus makes this proclamation. He says, no one can take them out of my hand. He doubles down and says, no one can take them out of my father's hand. And uh, there's something to be said about being one of God's. Um, that's, that's what those of us who have a relationship with him understand. And that's why my sheep know my voice is so potent and so important. And that's what leads us here. Not only are we God's, not only do we belong to him, but we also have a responsibility while we are here. And that's what we want to take the next few moments to talk about. Uh, Matthew 28, Jesus breaks it down very, very clearly, and I love the way that he kicks off. We were talking earlier, do we want to include the first couple of verses? I'm like, let's just start right where Jesus starts talking. And uh, when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, that takes the onus off of us. <laughs> it, and just to, again, emphasize that, like the onus of ministry is not ours. The onus of salvation is not ours. The onus of the work is not ours. Do we have obligation? Absolutely. Do we have obligation to obedience and everything else? 100%. Um, but it's God's work. And God's the one who's going to ensure it's carried out to completion. So. Absolutely. I'm, I'm messed up. I'm flawed. I'm sinful. Um, I try better, and I try to live according to how God wants me to live. But ultimately, I am flawed. I am broken. I was dead. And then Christ gave me life. Because it's his authority. It's his resurrection. It's his perfection that allows me to be who I am. And so his, his authority, but in that authority, and to Jason Pipe's point, man, I said I was going to use last names. To his point, we do still have responsibility. And that responsibility also falls under the authority of Jesus, the one who raised from the dead. That's not something that I want to take lightly. And so 
we're given this command and we're given it. And, and a lot of times we look at it and, and this is the responsibility of the church. Well, okay, if you want to look at it that way, this is the responsibility of Christians. This is the responsibility of all churches. This is the responsibility of the collective. What are we supposed to be doing? I can't make, I can't make believers or disciples of all nations myself. I don't have that much money <laughs> to travel around the world and I don't know that many languages. I know like one and a half. And so this responsibility or this idea that I can go and make disciples of all nations, it's not on me alone. It's on us and not just us in this room, us throughout the world. And so under the authority of Christ, we're to go and we're, we're to make disciples. And disciples cannot be made unless they're willing to follow. And I do want to say this just kind of as a side note. I think too many times, especially in today's society, we tend to follow things that we don't know. And that's dangerous. It should never be that way. We should follow what we know, which means we need to know Jesus. And that's where this really starts. If we're going to make disciples, we have to introduce people to Jesus so that they have an opportunity to follow him and make that decision. You're going to hear it from both Ren and Dusty here in just a little bit that they do have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, but when we got a chance to gather with them Wednesday, uh, with Dusty Wednesday, um, wonderful conversation. I just wanted to go ahead and say right off the bat that uh, Dusty was absolutely 100% willing and ready to go down to the creek and be baptized Wednesday. Uh, and Jonathan and I really, listen guys, we really struggled with going ahead and doing it. I feel like I'm a solid six and a half on swimming, but I'm like a nine and a half on clumsiness. And I feel like Jennifer would have been looking for a new husband if I'd have walked down in that creek and tried to baptize Dusty. Um, so we were ready and willing to do it. It just may not have been the best, the best way to do it. Um, but one of the things that we got to talk about was this coming to know Jesus Christ, this having a relationship with Jesus Christ. When it comes to making disciples, um, you're not a disciple if you're not learning from him, following him, being obedient to him. And Dusty shared with us, um, and someday hopefully maybe he'll, he'll share with everybody, uh, his testimony of just this path he walked through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was wonderful to hear it. And we talked about it again this morning, and uh, we asked him a couple of questions, and every time I thought, okay, he's done. No, he shared something else that just made my heart, like it filled me with even more joy to see what God has done in his life. And then yesterday we met with Wren, and we talked to Wren, and we talked to Perry. Um, Wren and Perry had been going to a church. They have been attending at a place. Uh, they both have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, there's a whole long story there to share, and maybe someday we'll get to share it. But um, long story short, we discussed with them the need for baptism. Baptism as obedience. Baptism as a symbol. Um, but baptism born out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Ren was 100% on board with the idea. So is Perry, but Perry wants it to be something we do at a park for everyone to see in the, in the community and a chance just to share what Christ has done for him. So uh, we're going to honor that as well. But How awesome is that? Like his heart in it isn't I don't want to do it because it's I want to do it this way because and his reason is so other people can see it. So it can be a testimony to what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And uh, just grateful for the heart and the mindset behind that and the willingness and how, how thought out that, that whole thing was. It, we're sitting here and we're approaching this conversation. We probably should have known better because we've interacted with them multiple times. But 
we were kind of nervous. How is this going to go? What direction is this going to go? And it went exactly how we probably should have seen it go. <laughs> but just the, the willingness, and that also leads to the relationship that they have with us. If, if we don't have a developed relationship with them, not just friendship, but in Christ, then we don't have the opportunity to have that conversation and whether we actually allowed ourselves or not, realize that it was going to go the way that it was going to go. Know the compassion, the love underneath and behind it. And so all of those things matter as well. And this is also that, that proclamation. Honestly, part of me, because of this, this verse, going back to, to Dusty's experience, part of me was a little convicted by it until I thought about the safety issues. Uh, <laughs> but part of me is like, jumping to the Ethiopian and Philip and what stops me from being baptized. I'm like, all right, let's go do it. It's 30 degree water, but <laughs> it's not. It would be an ice, right? It's below freezing. But anyway, go and baptize. Make disciples, baptize them. That is a responsibility. It shows that there has to be a recipient of baptism. And it also shows that we have to actively be Baptizing, the word meaning immersing, dunking people, symbolizing what has happened in the life of an individual. It's a proclamation, and it's our responsibility to carry that out for others so that they can be identified with us. Let's talk about symbols for just a second, right? Everybody likes symbols, don't they? And before anybody says no, how many people in here wear a wedding ring? Guess what? You like a symbol. Uh, I'm going to pick one of Jonathan's. It's an easy one. Who here has an Apple sticker on one of their devices that's not an Apple device? Oh. <laughs> I had one on my car. Cars, backpacks, yeah. and everything else. I used so to have one on my car. To me. Um, is it an actual Apple product? No, it's a symbol. It's a picture of something. Listen, one of the. Uh, I like wood carving, I've liked doing it. Uh, I've not got to do a lot of it lately. But we use rings as a way to symbolize marriage and to, to symbolize the, the proposal and those kinds of things. But once upon a time, what would happen is some guy who was going to ask a woman to marry him would go set sail on a ship, and he'd be gone for six months. And he would put six months of effort, nine months of effort, however long it was, into carving a beautiful spoon and then bringing it back to the bride-to-be and offering it to her as a symbol of his love, as a symbol of his desire to marry her. We are, as a people, we just like symbols. By the way, they're an important thing for us. They help us to remember important things. They help us to keep our mind focused on the things that matter in our lives. My ring is not the marriage to my wife, but it reminds me that she loves me. It reminds me to love her. It reminds me of the commitment that she's given me. It reminds me of the commitment that I've given to her. It is a symbol, and it has power. Well, then let me ask you, how much more so a symbol that God has divinely set up? A symbol that God has divinely appointed. A symbol that God has said, this will be for you an illustration of what I've done for you. An illustration of what your coming to me has wrought within your life. It's an important symbol. And when you look at this concept of baptism, this need to be baptized, you're not looking at something that provides salvation. You're looking at something that pictures what Christ did when he died on the cross and was rose from the grave. But more than that, you're looking at what happens in your life. 
when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you're buried, put into the blood of Christ, cleansed of all your sin and rose, arose as a new creation, a new creature in him with a new life, sinless. It's a picture and it's a beautiful picture of the salvation that we have accepted within Christ. It's also, as Servizi pointed out when he transitioned over to us, it's an act of obedience. And, and we can use this anecdotal idea of a parent to their child telling them to do something and the child in respect and honor towards that parent obeying or refusing. That's a very simplistic way to look at it. This is so much more important, though, because this isn't just obedience. It's obedience in proclaiming an identity with Christ. This is an obedience to say, I belong to him. This is tying ourselves to the one who saved us. That's already happened. It's already occurred in our life internally, and eternity is secured. But that act of obedience displays it for others to see, and it it's also this act of obedience that God himself sees and he looks down and, and as he did with Jesus, we don't necessarily audibly hear him say it, but as we read in the Gospels, he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he shows his, his pride and the honor and glory displayed through Christ's obedience and the example that we are supposed to follow for us to be obedient to what he has called us to do. So as, as Christians and as Churches, we're supposed to be baptizing. We're supposed to be doing this act in obedience to God. And then as those who have been saved and are awaiting that moment need to be baptized if they're going to truly be disciples. If you're truly going to follow God, that requires you to listen to what he says to do. And so if he says, be baptized, show this expression of your unity with me then we need to obey that. And that's, that's what these two are going to be doing this morning, and that's what is so exciting. The other thing behind this is that this isn't, as I said, this exclusive thing that we do. This is something that all Christians and all churches are required to do. And as a, a church that supports us, as a church that every time I show up or see your face, you guys ask questions. I see Clinton a handful of times, whether it's playing ball or showing up here or even on the phone, and he asks how things are going with our church. You know, I... Whenever I talk to Jason, he usually asks, how are things going? And anybody here, Lucy, same thing. Every time I encounter these people who I have a relationship with here at Church on the Rock, you're asking how things are going because you, we're an extension of your ministry, just as we are so many other churches who are supporting us and encouraging us in similar ways. And so what we do in our act of doing this and baptizing people is also an extension of who you are. And so what better thing, I think that this is probably more accurate to Acts, where you had these different people groups, these different churches, experiencing it together. It doesn't happen that way every single time, sure. We, we do have examples of that in Scripture, but I believe with how common it was that there were times where groups got together, churches got together, and got to experience this thing together. How beautiful is that? And so this isn't just a testament of us as a church or of us who are trying to start this church, plant a church as, as God has laid on our hearts. It, it's not just this obligation because we're disciples and we're Christians. 
but this is as much yours as it is ours. We, we probably wouldn't, I, I say that pretty confidently, we wouldn't be where we are without that kind of support from churches like Church on the Rock doing this for us. And we wanted to be able to share this experience. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. I want to let Jason talk a little more about that because he's got more of that connection, especially when it comes to Dusty and the relationships that are involved. Well, actually, I'm going to. You're going to make him do it? Here. I'm going to walk over here. Um, identity matters. It doesn't matter in the way the world thinks that it matters, but it matters because um, it would offend my wife if I chose not to be seen as her husband. If I did everything in my power to hide that from her, um, what would the impact be on my children? If I chose not to identify as their parents, if we went out in public places and I was like, I, I don't know those kids. They aren't my kids. I ain't seen anyone like that kid before in my entire life. Every parent here has done that, right? <laughs> <laughs> what would the impact be? Part of the conversation we had this morning with Dusty, part of the thing that we said is that um, he doesn't need you guys to see him. He doesn't need to be the one in front of a stage for everyone to see. He doesn't need that. But what he does need to do is identify with Christ. Ren, what you need to do is identify with Christ. And that's part of what baptism is. In your obedience to Christ, you are identifying with Christ. Just like in marriage, my honoring of my vows, of my commitment to my wife, is an identifying with my wife. Just like my children listening to me and following the instruction I give them is them identifying with me. Your baptism is identifying with Jesus Christ. That's why it's important that it's your choice. That's why it's important that it's your decision. And by the way, that's why it's also important to understand that it's not a part of salvation. Let me ask you a question. If you're here and you're saved, if you're here and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're here and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've not been baptized especially, let me ask you a question. Do you appreciate the shed blood on the cross? Do you appreciate the nails in the hands? Do you appreciate the love that God demonstrated for you? If you appreciate it, then why wouldn't you want to be identified with that? These individuals have said, we want to be identified with Christ. We want to be seen as belonging to him. Not for our sake, not for our benefit. Neither one of them, by the way, are spotlight people. Um, they're not. But for their benefit and for the benefit of their Savior, they want to be seen as identifying with him. Sorry, went off the rails there. No, it's all, it's all good. Uh, verse 20, just continuing to move on. By the way, 19 wraps up. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit recognizing that God is unified in himself. And then in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Um, this promise of him being with us and knowing that we're walking this not alone, but we're walking it with him. And if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, we're walking it together. And we're supposed to be teaching each other. And once we've identified ourselves as part of one another through this symbol, through baptism, 
what we end up doing is expressing this opportunity, this privilege, this even right to be held accountable. Yippee, right? And accountability is as much positive as, as it is difficult. And it's not always in, in the things that you're doing wrong, but also in the things that you're doing right to keep you on that track, to keep you going down that, that trail, that road. And so we want to hold Dusty to the fire I, the same way we would, we would in our own family, right? I'm going to hold my wife to a certain standard. She's going to hold me to a certain standard. We're going to hold our kids to that standard. And as Christians, as believers, we're going to hold each other to the standard of God's teaching, teaching them to observe what I have commanded, and so it is our responsibility to teach. But how do we really identify who we're supposed to teach and how we're supposed to hold people accountable if they're not identified with us the way that Jason's been talking about? That's, that's very difficult to do. But once somebody has made the decision that, hey, I'm going to be baptized, I'm going to, I'm going to follow in this obedience step, and I'm going to be immersed, and I'm going to come back, and the symbolism of all of it is beautiful and everything. But once they've done it, it has become this declaration or this proclamation made publicly to those that are there to witness it. And now it is that ring on the finger, so to speak. Now there is this telling moment in time that identifies you with me. And so now I have permission to hold you accountable, to teach you to equip you to rebuke when necessary and reprove in those words that we don't like. So to that end, going back to you two, um, you're subjecting yourself to the authority of Scripture. Obviously, if you have a relationship with Christ, you've already made him Lord. You've already submitted yourself to the authority of, of Scripture, to the authority of Jesus Christ, to his teaching. You've already asked that your brothers and sisters hold you accountable because you are in that relationship with Christ. But baptism is saying, I understand that. I recognize that. That if I am being obedient, I've accepted Christ and I'm saying I'm obedient to Christ, and I'm also going to follow Christ. And I'm going to learn all things that he's commanded me. I think part of the reason a lot of people don't want to be baptized I mean, let's be honest. There are people who don't get baptized for a whole host of reasons. But one of the things is that immediately they don't get baptized. And then later on in life, there's sort of this fear of what it says if I get baptized. Now everyone's going to hold me to a standard and hold me accountable for the way I act and the things I say and what I do. And the reality is, is that I need people to hold me accountable. Amen. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you're already doing that. But when you enter into baptism, you're making this proclamation, this statement, that I'm going to learn whatsoever the Lord has commanded me. It's, it's like a signing of a covenant. It's giving permission. And so as we get ready for this um, and celebrate it, and thank you guys for celebrating it with us and allowing us this opportunity to do this, um, I want to make sure that that Pipes has said everything that he wants to say too, but one of the things that we've recognized in both those, and we actually have more coming up too, which is really exciting. I got to talk to Jeremy about that a little bit earlier. We've got some that are waiting in the wings and um, going to be baptized soon as well. And so it's been an exciting week for us. <laughs> but we heard we heard this testimony from both, 
and we heard it so well articulated and so well thought out. This, what, this isn't on a whim. This decision isn't just this quick, you know, all right, well, let's get this over with. It's not this formality. This, there, there's been a lot of heart and sincerity in this. And one of the things that I've recognized in both of talking to them and, and Perry as well has been conviction. We've recognized the conviction of doing this in their life. Actually, Dusty talked to me. When was it we talked over there at ERO? It's been months back, right? Um, and he asked me the question, um, can I share a little bit about your background, being raised Catholic? Um, he, was, he was raised Catholic. Uh, he had been um, baptized, because that's what they call it, um, back when he was a, a baby. And um, he asked questions then. He had a desire to understand. And, and I'll even go a step further and say he wanted to be baptized then. But we wanted to continue the conversation. Um, he desired it to be his statement between him and God and not to be something that was done because family had done it for him. And you correct me if I'm wrong in that, but that's what he said is that he wanted it to be his statement to the Lord. And by the way, we understand there's a difference between those two things. But the reason I bring that up is because I want his statement to be heard there. This decision, this desire is because he wants to honor Jesus Christ. And he wants to honor what Christ has asked of him. With Ren, it was, it was very similar. We talked about the background and her experience over the past few years and why she made the decision that she made. And what we've been talking about much of this morning, obedience. I want to do this because I want to make sure that I'm doing it in obedience. Not because it ties me to anything else. Not because I'm sealing anything eternally or anything. I, I just want to do this because it's the right thing to do. I want to be obedient. Conviction. That doesn't happen if you don't belong to God. And which, a testament to both of you and, and to those that are coming in the next few weeks as well, that conviction, that desire, I believe is birthed out of an already existing relationship. And so that's how, uh, if you're good, we can wrap up this morning is I want to offer that opportunity because I don't know everybody's story here. And I, and I believe that this is typically a collection of people who they already have that relationship. Many of you have already been baptized. So if you haven't been baptized and you, you do have a relationship with Jesus, what are you waiting for? <laughs> I think we've harped on it plenty. It gets harder the longer you wait, guys. Yeah. Obey. Stop being disobedient. <laughs> But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's the whole point of the cross. That is the whole point of the resurrection. It's so that you can have a relationship with him. And so if you haven't made that decision and if you haven't had a conversation with God, if you haven't gone to him in prayer and said, I need you to forgive me. I recognize what Jesus did for me on the cross. And God, I need you to save me. I'm broken. I'm dying. I'm sinful. And I need you to save me. So I want to have a relationship with you. I want you in my life. It's, it's not complicated. It's that simple. That's where it starts. And then once you make that decision, guess what? <laughs> Next decision, be baptized. Express it to the people around you. Display it so that other people can see it. We live in a time where 
culturally, we see it as a positive thing, and we, we typically do it in this kind of a setting, right? You're in a church building or a place where a church gathers or whatever, and you have a baptistry or a horse trough in some cases or whatever, or you join down by the creek, you know. I did that for you. Um, Appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah. But you gather together, and it's celebratory, right? Yeah. It's something that we celebrate. And everybody, woo, or an amen, or whatever your choice of celebration is, and clapping, and, and praise, and I guarantee you there is praise in heaven, too, when that occurs. But the first church in the New Testament, that was not their experience. Oh, they gathered publicly, but it was a potential death sentence. They're celebrating, but I don't know how loud they're celebrating, because if somebody finds out, the wrong person finds out, they're in prison. By the way, wasn't there fear of imprisonment or dying that was the issue? It was them not getting to further the gospel and carry on the work to everybody else in their life that needed it. Like, we need to remember the distinction between those two things. Absolutely. And, and yet they were, we, we see people were taking part in this in droves. But we could preach a whole other sermon. We could, yeah. My point being, if we're going to be obedient then we have to listen to the instruction of God's word, both as baptizers and as baptizees. Make that decision. The baptized. So as we sing this song, I really do want you guys to think about this. Think about your relationship and if you even have one. If you don't have one, right now is the time to start that relationship. Woody hit on it for just a second. But the ABCs of salvation. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus and confess. All right? Tell the world. And this is the perfect picture to show the world that you've accepted him. This is not sending them to heaven. The day they ask Jesus in their heart is what sends them to heaven. They're showing you guys that they're dead in their sins and they're raised up with Christ. So as we sing, please stand. We'll sing. And then we will get started with the baptisms.
This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.